Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Five Bytes Podcast. I'm your host, Rory Monahan. The podcast is brought to you by Goliath Technologies. If you work in healthcare like I do, you'll want to check out Goliath's Cerner and Epic integrations, which make them the perfect choice for your healthcare virtual environment monitoring and analytic needs. And by Liquidware, whose profile Unity and FlexApp products can be just the ticket you need for dealing with Office 365 in a non-persistent environment. And now for some of this week's news. This week, Diraj Pandey, the CEO of Nutanix, posted a blog titled, Stop Being a Bully VMware. It's a pretty damning post. It starts tame, just talking in general about the need for hyperconverged infrastructure and why Nutanix was created and why they do what they do, which is fair enough. The very first line references MLK and how on MLK Day, which is when he posted it, he is reminded of respect. Personally, I could really do without that. It seems like a lot of people misappropriate the memory of the man for their own agendas. And in the grand scheme of things, considering what he went through and the struggles of the time he was alive, invoking that in this instance for a little petty squabble between two tech vendors is probably the very definition of misappropriation. It seems the catalyst for this blog is a claim that VMware COO Sanjay Poonan has been sending messages to Nutanix customers and VMware Dell partners that also happen to be Nutanix partners. And in the message which Mr. Pandey shared in the blog post as a screenshot, you can see why Nutanix may be pretty annoyed. The message reads as follows, quote, Thank you for connecting with me on LinkedIn. I am COO of VMware and we look forward to continuing to serve you as a partner. We have tremendous respect for your success in the redacted and your domain experience in the area of VDI and hyperconverged. The reason for my message to you is this. I wanted to let you know that your name and your company's brand is being used in a vitriolic anti-VMware and anti-Dell campaign by Nutanix. See the content on this website and the links to Nutanix.com decide. And also see screenshot at the bottom of my email with your company's brand and your quote. We totally respect that customers might pick different technologies and maybe you prefer Nutanix for hyperconverged in your IT systems and in your partner practice over VMware. Yet, I think you are still a VMware partner and more importantly, VMware is a part of Dell Technologies. So this ad campaign is a frontal attack on both VMware and Dell. And they are using your company brand in this vitriolic campaign. Not sure that is what a great partner organization like yours wants your brand to be leveraged for. I would humbly ask if you can ask for your name to be removed from this vitriolic Nutanix campaign, we would appreciate it. We don't want it to affect your brand as also your partnership with VMware and Dell today or into the future. Separately, on your decision to use Nutanix over VMware and hyperconverged, if there's anything we can do better to earn your confidence, we would love to be considered again there or in other areas. End quote. Mr. Pandey took particular exception to the tone of the message and the multiple uses of the word vitriolic. He goes on to use Satya Nadella and Microsoft as an example of a company transforming itself from a company who uses, quote, strategy tax, end quote, to pigeonhole both customers and other vendors. I'm paraphrasing there. 
He suggests at 20 years of age, VMware could and should embrace a building things people like mantra rather than what he details as a V-tax. There's a lot to unpack in his blog post. Invoking MLK was misguided. The VTAX thing is pretty tired and played out at this stage. If that message really was from the VMware COO, I agree that the tone was awful. I know it's subjective when in text, but to me it sounded like a veiled threat to VMware or Dell partners who are also partnered with Nutanix, which definitely is not cool. I'd like to say that this is unprecedented in the tech industry, but it's not. It's not even unprecedented between Nutanix and VMware. In fact, I have covered some exchanges between the two on social media in the past on this podcast. Personally, as a customer and a tech enthusiast, I find this kind of crap petty and exhausting from both sides. They should compete on tech and just market their tech. Stop with the sniping BS. It just puts me and I'm sure others off both companies. The attached LinkedIn message which I read doesn't have a timestamp on the screenshot. I'm sure the timing of the post, the blog post that is, is not a coincidence considering Mr. Poonin was at the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland and has been on somewhat of a media blitz appearing on Yahoo Finance and Jim Cramer shows recently. If somebody saw him on those shows and Googles his name right now, one of the first autofills is Sanjay Poonin Nutanix. If they go to the news menu on Google, there are multiple results linking to this very story. I'm sure that was the intended result. And that's what makes Nutanix look pretty bad. Also, I mean, the blog post comes across as pretty petty and them just airing their dirty laundry publicly, in my opinion. On the topic of the World Economic Forum, Microsoft timed an announcement that it will be putting restrictions in place to prevent abuse of its facial recognition AI, with Brad Smith stating that Microsoft needs to lead by example. In March, they will be drafting policies, building governance systems and engineering tools and testing to make sure it's in line with its goals. Congratulations to IGEL Technologies, who announced they have surpassed $100 million in revenue in 2018. This week was also their Disrupt event in Munich, Germany, with Nutanix, NVIDIA, and Teradachi speaking as partners there. The event included a glimpse of a new Jetson-powered ARM iGel device and an announcement of a frame app for delivering apps via the browser to your thin client devices, which I think is particularly cool considering this is an exact use case that I demoed some time ago, actually back in September 2017, even down to the detail that in my blog post, I used frame browser embedded applications with my UD pocket device. I'll provide a link to that blog post along with this episode, which is episode 56 on 5bytespodcast.com. You'll find it in reference links or in the YouTube description of this episode. At the event, they also went through their new line of thin client devices too. From Windows 10 October 2018 update, the BitLocker encryption algorithm can be changed during a Windows Autopilot build. Microsoft posted a pretty detailed blog post with exact steps on how you can achieve this. Obviously, this would be a very important feature for those security conscious folks who ship laptops currently to remote workers and leverage Autopilot. Tim Mangan of TMUrgent.com and of course the godfather of AppV released a pretty cool MSIX report card. The MSIX report card will actually 
feature a collection of report cards and will provide research papers examining how MSIX is doing at various points in time. Each report will be labeled with the Windows 10 release version associated with the report. The current report card, which is now available by signing up via Tim's request form, features info on MSIX for today, January 2019, and is relevant for Windows 10 version 18.09 and Server 2019. It reports on the industry in three areas. Support by independent software vendors to release an MSIX format, support for tool vendors, and support inside the operating system. A cheap plug for some of my own work now, I posted a pretty detailed blog post on Windows 10 migration planning. I'll include that with this episode and it's actually going to be part of a two-part series and the second part is going to be specifically looking at uh, application migration. So if you're working on a Windows 10 migration in 2019, you may want to check that out. The popular small business Cisco switch has a critical and unpatched vulnerability according to ThreatPost.com. This is pretty worrying as the switch, which retails at about $300, is quite popular with small businesses and tech enthusiasts due to its affordability. The issue is that the default configuration on the devices includes a default privileged user account that is used for the initial login and cannot be removed from the system. An administrator may disable this account by configuring other user accounts with access privilege set to level 15. However, if all user configured privilege level 15 accounts are removed from the device configuration, it re-enables that default privileged user account without notifying the administrators of the system. There is a way to resolve this. You can configure an account by using admin as user ID, setting the access privilege to level 15, and defining a password by replacing a strong underscore password variable with a complex password chosen by the users. By adding this user account, the default privileged account will be disabled. The flaw affects several models of their small business switch series, including some of the small business smart switches, the managed switches, as well as the stackable managed switches. For a full list of what's affected, check out the post, the threatpost.com post that I include with this episode of the podcast and reference links. VDisk Replicator version 3.2.2 was released this week with a few minor fixes. If you're a Citrix PBS customer, you can use this tool to replicate your VDisks between farms, sites, or even just within the same site. I did a straw poll on Twitter a few months ago and asked how people are storing their VDisks. The vast majority are storing the VDisks on each PVS server and just replicating across them. This tool is perfect for those use cases. Rob isn't exactly reinventing the wheel here. He's leveraging RoboCopy. I've used my own personal RoboCopy scripts in the past for handling the replication, but Rob has put in some extra legwork that I never did. For example, there's an option in his tool to copy buffered or unbuffered, and he states that depending on the environment, one could perform better than the other. So you could test both to see which is quicker in your environment. It's possible your replication will be quicker with this tool than it was with your own custom solution today or even by manually copying today. This week, ControlUp announced support for Linux, Red Hat, and CentOS machines within ControlUp using agentless integration via SSH, resulting in similar experiences as with your Windows-based VMs. Earlier on the podcast, we covered some of the ugliness of the tech industry, so to pick ourselves back up, let's cover the nice side. 
The GoFundMe for Stephanie Roper's Memorial Fund continues to smash through its goals, with the total standing currently at $13,438. If you haven't been following the podcast, in a previous episode I covered her unfortunate passing, and Stephanie is of course the lead of the Citrix CTA and Citrix User Group programs, and was an all-around awesome person. Way to go for everyone in the community for stepping up and helping out in a time of need for her family. And now for this episode's weekly webinar. This week's is pretty unique and it's very region specific. If you're in Kentucky and would like to get involved and help mentor third to fifth graders or sixth to twelfth graders with coding, the Kentucky Regional Partnership Coordinator along with KYOSA and Girls Who Code will be holding a webinar on January 28th at 1 p.m. I worked with a few techies in Kentucky and I can see from the metrics of this podcast that I've got some listeners in that state. So if you're listening in that state and you'd like to help mentor some kids and get them into coding and share your passion for tech, this could be for you. And now for this episode, scripts, tricks, and tips. This week I saw that Kenneth Ockenberg shared a pretty cool browser preview tool he built for visual code. You can execute this as part of your code to launch a true browser preview inside of the editor. I know a lot of developers today do this within Python and it's something that those of us who do a little dabbling in DevOps could definitely leverage for doing some of our own testing. If you're listening to the audio-only version of the podcast and you want to see a glimpse of how this works, check out the video version on YouTube. And that's it for another week. Thank you so much for listening.